0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor AJ Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter. We're back in Exodus. We took a look at a couple of Psalms, or uh, just the one Psalm, as we saw in some ways, in Psalm 114 and 115 yesterday. Connected to the Exodus, though, and had a really good discussion with our guests yesterday. But today, yeah, we're back in Exodus, and uh, I know we're all looking forward to resuming the story and the Golden Calf, which is coming up tomorrow. But today, what do we have? We've got Oholiab and Bezalel. So, yeah, say that uh, five times fast. But you've got these other figures who are kind of introduced with their own particular responsibilities and then you have this big elaboration on the sabbath and that's kind of the the big capstone on this whole thing about worship. So, you know, why the focus on the sabbath? Why is it so important? You know, uh, it's really interesting that how much the old testament ends up emphasizing the sabbath, especially when you know, we kind of I suppose at least maybe in our conversation in our language, we sometimes seemingly de-emphasize the Sabbath. So what's going on with that? Some good questions for us to consider today. And joining us as our guest, we've got Pastor Paul Kane, pastor at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Sheridan, Wyoming. Good morning, brother. Good to have you back with us. How are you and the brothers and sisters out there in Sheridan doing?
1: Well, we're faring pretty well. Uh, In my study here, I can look out the window and see the hospital there's a lot of activity there, but not much of it is COVID-related. Our county mm-hmm. picks up a case here and there, um, but we don't have much community spread. We're very thankful for that.
0: Yeah, thank God. Uh, yeah, very good. And so, yeah, like I guess I'm trying to think to myself here, Did you were you guys affected by that big heat wave that was going through last week, or were you guys too far north?
1: Oh, we have some warmer temperatures. We'll be in the nineties again today. But oh, okay, uh, yeah. we're only one hour away from getting up in the mountains and then the temps drop about twenty degrees.
0: Yeah, that's right, that's right. You can always you can always escape and beat the heat when you got the, the mountains right there in your backyard. Very good. So things things pretty Indeed. pretty okay in in Wyoming. Very good. And uh looking here at at Exodus chapter thirty one today. So yeah, in the introduction, I was saying it's just interesting how it seems like the Sabbath, in these different ways, ends up so emphasized, and and in some ways, uh, it almost ends up being I feel like the, the the central component of the the Decalogue. So it's just kind of interesting how I don't know. I guess we wouldn't maybe have guessed that it was kind of the big deal uh, from our 21st century Western perspective.
1: Right. It's uh, interesting that Luther says the Ten Commandments were not originally given to Christians. And it's so mm-hmm. fun sometimes to hear Dr. Luther say aloud something so obvious that gets lost <laughs> in the shuffle on occasion. Yeah, um, yeah. You shall sanctify the holy day. And, uh, well, we can talk about the meaning of the third commandment. uh And try to say those fun names of the workmen
0: five times (laughs) fast. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. Well, we'll we'll get to that soon enough. Um, Brother, before we turn to the text, would you open this up with a prayer, though?
1: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord of all power and might, author and giver of all good things, graft into our hearts the love of your name. Increase in us true religion nourish us with all goodness and of your great mercy keep us in the same through jesus christ your son our lord who lives and reigns with you in the holy spirit one god now and forever amen
0: amen all right so looking at the text here in exodus chapter 31 it does in the in the esv you have these two headings just kind of breaking it down um, into these two halves, uh, roughly equal. R- not not the longest chapter, so it uh, should be pretty manageable for us today. But uh, we'll go ahead and read it straight through and see may- maybe if we can pick up on some connections that are not as obvious. Uh, but anything that we should be looking out for before we go ahead and give it a read through?
1: Watch for things uh, that a slow reading will give you. You may recognize uh, some familiar names in the midst of unfamiliar names. And also, uh, when we get to the second half, uh, paying special attention to the Sabbath language that the Lord gives to Moses will really help us out in the end.
0: All right. Well, let's go ahead and keep those things in mind and go ahead and get started. Exodus chapter 31 here from the top. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, and cutting stones for setting and in carving wood to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Heizemach, of the tribe of Dan, And I have given to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you, the tent of meeting, and the ark of the testimony, and the mercy seat that is on it, and all the furnishings of the tent, the table and its utensils, and the pure lampstand with all its utensils, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, and the basin and its stand, and the finely worked garments, the holy garments for Aaron and the priest, and the garments for his sons for their service as priests, and the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense for the holy place. According to all that I have commanded you, they shall do. And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Anyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does, not, whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It's a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed and he gave to Moses when he'd finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony, the tablets of stone written with the finger of God. All right. So, you know, there it is, the the conclusion to uh, this subsection before we get to, uh, well, I mean, what's going to be a definite, uh, What what do they say like in terms of narrative? Like it's the it's the new problem or the complication that arises certainly in in chapter thirty two, but I mean yeah it it really is something how uh, I mean the conclusion the first part of the conclusion I guess is is maybe what we might have guessed that okay oh all right sure these these names this uh this Aholiab and this Bezalel like okay they're the guys who are actually going to enact all this and build all these things all right that makes sense as like kind of concluding you know kind of uh, epilogue kind of thing, like okay, this is how we're going to do it, and contact these people, yeah. and they'll they'll do setup for you, right? But but then yeah, um, I mean just concluding with the Sabbath and saying you know above all, um, you know the death penalty is the thing for not keeping it. It, it really ends up uh, with a I mean I mean just a very strong emphasis on the Sabbath.
1: Indeed, uh, Valerius Herberger is a name we hear every day. But in his commentary on Exodus, you'll find a devotional book, and he puts the second section of chapter 31 in proper context. After all of this talk, back to chapter 25, prescriptions for the tabernacle, his point is that the Lord God cares more about men's hearts than about the building. Um, That was very striking to me. Um, And consider who's running the verbs through Mm -hmm. this entire specific chapter that we're looking at today, Exodus 31. The Lord said, he's the one who is calling he is the one filling them with literal spiritual gifts with the spirit of god he's the one giving the ability the intelligence the knowledge the craftsmanship to bring to fruition everything that the lord has prescribed through moses and the last verse of the chapter and he gave to moses that caps it off who's doing all of the doing the Lord is the source of all of these wonderful gifts, including the tabernacle, the tent, which um, is a reminder of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, John 1, he tented with us. He is in the flesh with us for our benefit.
0: Well, and I, and I think that this, this key idea that you're describing, right, um, like systematically known as... Um, divine monergism, this, this idea on the emphasis of the, the work of God, and it's ultimately, in the end, the final analysis, it's, it's all just God's work, uh, that that seems to be, um, yeah, very, very much at the heart of this this Sabbath instruction, because here again, we have the explanation of the Sabbath given in verse 17, it's a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And in many ways, I mean, not only can this just make sense in terms of the commandments and thinking about the structure that's given in Exodus chapter 20, but it it makes sense that after God's given all of these instructions, right, do this, do that, build this, build that, um, that at the end of it, he's like, hey, guys, but don't get the wrong idea. This isn't about what you are going to do. This is about what I've in many ways already done. Um, and, and what I'm going to do, uh, pointing of course to, to your point about finding ultimate rest in uh, the person and work of Jesus Christ. so uh, that that idea that you know, hey, it's not about your work it's your your work is is really just the the good, gracious thing that I'm allowing because of my work it does I think fit well as a conclusion to this set of instructions. It really
1: does reminds us that God is the one giving the gifts, God is the one who rested. Uh, as we're reminded, in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. He is the one who gives us his rest. He is the one who gives us refreshment in Christ Jesus.
0: Well, and it is interesting, too, that you have that that verb there, refreshed, because that's—I I don't think we had that in Exodus twenty, um, and, and it's kind of interesting. Well, I don't think it's there in um, Genesis one either. But yeah, I mean, it, it's just kind of interesting that that verb shows up. It's, um, I mean, it's literally. I mean, yeah, like re- refreshment. It seems to be like a the natural way of taking it. It's the same word that we uh, have the root nefesh from. That that word for um, one's soul, one's one's life. You know, it's that 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 restoration that renewal right so mm-hmm. I, I mean it, it's really interesting to use that for for god right because it's like well hang on a second what what does god need refreshment or or or, or rest in in that sense for rejuvenation right in what sense right. does god it's need that
1: anthropomorphic here.
0: <clears throat> yeah very 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 much so but that as like this uh, this template though for, for us, that, hey, guys, don't just go and do all this work and, you know, work yourselves to death. Like, the, the point of all of this is that you have this this rest and this rejuvenation, because uh, the worship of God, then, that that you get um, when, when we've, you know, followed these instructions and built all these things is, is meant to be refreshing. It's it's not meant to be a chore. The, the worship of God is meant to give us rest and peace in our souls.
1: Luther reminds us of this in his Ten Commandments hymn. Um, Many folks don't realize that in in addition to the six chief parts of the catechism being memory work and part of our daily prayers, he also wrote hymns for each of those six chief parts. The hymn stanza for the Third Commandment, and set aside the work you do so that God may work in you. His Mm -hmm. word is our food. And that refreshment um, is vital. Man does not live by bread alone. We need not just physical rest, not just sitting on the sofa watching our favorite stuff to binge watch, uh, but we actually need the Word. And He gathers us together to Himself and gives us the Word made flesh, Jesus.
0: And that's, I think, a really, a really good point. I mean, like, I I don't want to say that, you know, there's not, there's not like a a space or a time for just kind of like, okay, I need to clear my head. I'm just going to sit down and kind of do something mindless on the couch or something like that. Like that makes, you know, maybe that's, that's good and fitting on a certain, uh, to a certain extent. But like what you're getting at though, that, that this rest is not just kind of filling the time it's not just it's not just a you know killing time it's not just you know free time and in, in the sense of just do whatever with it but it's it's i mean really really it's it's living in the biggest sense right because going back to what you have and that that word there for refreshment right um which is kind of li- li- literally like you know breathing freely or um you know like re- restoring the life i mean it's in that sense that, okay, like work is an important part of life. In fact, the template we have here is it's six out of seven days, right? So yeah, don't, don't get us wrong, but, but life is not complete. If it's all, if it's all work, you have to actually enjoy the work. Um, and, and that, and, and that's, I think a little bit different than, than just kind of killing time to actually enjoy the gifts that you're given to enjoy the work that god gives you the only way to really fully enjoy it is like what you're saying you have to turn to god you have to actually turn and thank the giver to fully appreciate the gift a true
1: understanding of shabbat of sabbath of divine rest means that it is the life the lord has intended for us our true life in him but all too often um Maybe you've heard this phrase before. We worship our work, we work at our play, and play at our worship.
0: Hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. Not original to me, but that sad phrase does talk about how we we live. And uh, I've begun to think of busy for the sake of mere busyness as a four-letter word.
0: Mhm. Right. Yeah, no that's that's right. It's a, it's a very it's a very particular sense of of rest and, and and I think that you know that there's there's a lot to it then for God emphasizing this that I mean just because it is so easy to to get distracted and to fall into these patterns that are not actually restful um we 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 think it's it's rest or we kind of label it that way but is that what's really happening? So yeah, so some some good some good thoughts uh, overall on, on kind of the big picture here. I I want to look at some of the, the details now, kind of turning back to the beginning of the chapter. So um mm-hmm. at the beginning of Exodus thirty one, we have God speaking to, to Moses. And this is interesting. I mean it's the it's the verb one of the different speaking verbs, so it's not just kinda like, and then God said the next thing, but uh, kind of more like you know he decreed or he said okay like you know th- this is this is my next set of instructions here um, kind of dividing this off and and he talks about these two guys in particular and the two guys he lists are um, Basilel from Judah and then Aholiab from Dan and um, I'm not even sure what to make of that but I I guess it's just it's just very striking to me that there's these two men in particular that that God names to head up this project from these two particular tribes uh, that he has endowed with the ability to see this thing through.
1: Right. Bezalel, uh, his name means in the shadow of God or in the protection of God. Hmm. You may not know Yuri, you may not know her, but you've hmm. heard Judah before. Yep. And Judah is important because the Christ is going to come from the tribe of Judah. We know David uh, is of that tribe, and most importantly, we've got the promise that there would be a descendant of David's who would be on the throne forever, and that is Christ Jesus. So, um, it's a little interesting that "son of her" is a phrase here. Ben Hur. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole book, a couple versions of the movie. But really, Judah points us to Christ. The interesting contrast is when we get to verse 6, and we have Oholiab. We have no idea who Ahizamaki is, but the tribe yeah. of Dan kind of sticks in our craw for a while. Yeah, And for folks who who know the rest of the story, who know about the division between Judah in the south and Israel in the north— The Israelite kings, along with the tribe of Dan, made sure that there were alternate worship sites. And, of course, one of them was in Dan. Maybe that tribe preserved the vestige of the skills that uh, uh, Oholiab uh, is renowned for here in verse 6. But to tie that together to what comes next in chapter 32, the golden calf.
0: Right.
1: Not only yeah, is y- the chapter thirty-two golden calf bad, but later on, there's not one but two golden calves, and it's partially the tribe of Dan's fault. Their apostasy.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, and and there is this tradition of of linking Dan with apostasy, and and we've we've seen that before, looking at Joshua, um, and and then Revelation even how Dan is, um, perhaps in some ways the most most striking omission. And, and and you kind of wonder about that, um, yeah, you know. And it it is interesting, um, you know. So that was one thing that occurred to me, you know. Hey, okay, so we've got Dan mentioned, you know. Is that is that kind of I don't know, getting at uh, or or hinting at like you know maybe in this kind of foreshadowing kind of ominous way. Like, hey, things are, are not going to go so well. God gave them this ability for, for making this stuff, and they're not going to use that ability all for good. So, I mean, that's one thing that occurred to me. The other one is, too, um, I recall from when we did Numbers that, you know, each one of the the four sides of the tabernacle had a formation, a group of three tribes. And so, like, on the eastern front that would march out first— um, Judah was the lead tribe and you, and you would go around and then, um, kind of, I think, I think the last one that was named then, <clears throat> uh, was, uh, the, the tribe or the set of three that was led by Dan. Um, I think, it was, I think it was the North side, um, if I recall, but so, so Dan was like kind of one of these other leading tribes. Um, and, and so they, they kind of actually both in some ways, I don't know, they kind of collectively kind of represent the the uh, the engine and the caboose or something like that, and so I, I wonder if there's like something like that there too that uh, God is is giving um, you know to all of His people these different ways of serving Him. It's not like He's only giving stuff to to the Levites or or the Reubenites or something like that.
1: Yeah, be careful if you think you stand, lest you fall. Um, the Lord gives good gifts, and they can certainly be be misused um, i hadn't thought about the placement of the tribes around the tabernacle, but it it's really appropriate to think about here, especially when a ab means the divine Father is my tabernacle um, yeah but when they lose uh lose sight of God when their focus is not on Him. A lot of things can can go south, even in the northern kingdom.
0: <laughs> oh, well done. <laughs> uh, I think I think I think that nice pun will take us to our break here. But everybody, hang on. We're looking at Exodus chapter thirty-one here on Nice Strong Word. We'll be right back. <laughs>
1: LCMS Disaster Response
0: and Training provides guidance and counsel to congregations seeking to show mercy to their neighbors before, during, and after disasters. From congregation preparedness to equipping volunteers in our Lutheran Early Response Team training, we can help you engage your community, particularly those who are suffering in any way with the love of Christ. For more information, you can follow us on Facebook, keyword LCMS Disaster Response, or visit our website at lcms.org forward slash disaster. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor AJ Espinosa. We're looking at Exodus chapter 31 today, joined by our guest, Pastor Paul Kane of Emanuel Lutheran Church in Sheridan, Wyoming. If you've got a question for me or Pastor Kane, give us a call if you're listening live 1 800 730 2727. Or if you're in St. Louis, you can call 314 821 0850. You can also send an email to KFUO at KFUO.org, or you can hop on the live stream, facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa. So we were just looking at, yeah, these, uh, I don't know, just kind of interesting. You got Judah and and Dan. Um, On the one hand, I I mean, and maybe maybe the two are linked even, uh, but Judah is, you know, the faithful remnant, right? In in the end, um, it's going to be just Judah. In the end, right? I mean, Judah will become synonymous with the entire people of God, right? I mean, that, I mean that's why even to this day, um, like people who who would would claim the the name of the people of God call themselves, um, I, I mean, Jews. I mean, it comes from the word Judah. Um, and then on the other side, you have you know the caboose. And I was just looking that up, and it is actually in in Numbers chapter two um, that there's this. Uh, camp of Dan that raises its standard, and it says there in chapter two, uh, chapter 2, verse 31, that they set out last. So, yeah, so it's interesting. You just got these bookends here. You've got, you know, your your Judah, and you got your Dan, um, and things are going to, you know, they, they both have, initially, they, they both have a place in, in the people of God. Um, it's not like one has been excluded. Um, it's not as if one is uh, less valuable in the eyes of God. We remember that they all are going to pay that that half shekel. Like that of, no one has a greater value of life than the other. Um, but I mean, I don't, it's, it's almost kind of feels like a Cain and evil moment, you know, where where uh, you know mm-hmm. you just have this moment of you know, hey, wait a second, I'm envious. What I, I don't like this. Uh, why does Judah get all the attention? And things and things uh, go south, as you were saying, right? Uh, I don't know any any yeah. other uh, reflections on that, especially connecting it to, uh, I mean, I mean the camp movement and, and numbers and the rest of the story.
1: Well, it, it's fascinating uh, hearing all of the prescriptions of what the Lord once built, yeah. And think about just for a moment what it takes to go camping. Yeah. Um, All of this, the tabernacle, the temple in a tent is all meant to be portable so they can carry it with them uh, until eventually the temple is built. Um, But I just find that amazing how much work is put into all of this to make it according to the Lord's design and, utilizing the gifts of the Spirit of God, the ability, intelligence, knowledge, craftsmanship, to do all this incredible artistic designs, and then all of this, in gold, silver, bronze, and fabric, is portable.
0: That, yeah, no, I mean, it it is, and it's going to be such a shift then, right, when we get to the the promised land in Joshua, when everything's going to just be set in place— um, and, and we're going to have, you know, set firm borders and we're, we're going to have a temple and, and all the rest of it. Um, though again, with, with Dan, you know, Dan is going to be given, uh, an inheritance in many ways or a really good one, right? Like right there on the coast, right? Where Tel Aviv is today, right? And he's mm-hmm. gonna be given this good, this good inheritance, but isn't going to actually be able to take it or hold it. In, in the end so they end up moving and they go way up north and they build themselves this little city well they don't really build the city even they they, they kick out the residents that are there and then they, they build it up more but i mean that, that is just you know kind of getting to what you're kind of suggesting earlier it's just sort of I, it, it's interesting just how like you're saying god gives these gifts to to build to to you know artisanship you know these these the craftsmanship right and there's, there's the good uses that he prescribes. And then there's the uses that we come up with for ourselves that are just tragic in the end with the way that everything turns out.
1: Truly. The Lord is the one who gives refreshment. And where do you go for true rest? If you reject him, there's, there's no place to go.
0: Yeah. Literally no place.
1: Connection. Um, I've been noticing between the first half and the second half of the chapters, we've got Mm. the two tablets of testimony, which Mm -hmm. we know have the Ten Commandments on them. We know that these get destroyed and need to be replaced. But uh, the tablets of testimony end up within the ark of testimony mentioned in the first half. Yeah. Um, I was fascinated if you'd ever heard anything like this that uh, some say that the two tablets were duplicate copies instead yeah. of having five and five or four and six or three and seven on them, that um, in a typical Near Eastern Covenant agreement, one copy of the covenant belonged to each party. Right. And Israel's copy would remain with them. A good place would be the Ark. But... um the lord's copy would be in the presence of god which right there in the ark would be a good place for it too mhm
0: yeah no um i think we we did talk about that a little bit um and and in some ways i do think that that's become the more favored uh explanation especially in terms of um just like in terms of what we have have found if anything's engraved like on like a stone it's very often that that every side, every side of the surface is actually used. You know, like writing uh, media is in short supply in, in that time, and so you you, you can't afford to print anything single sided. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you would you would go on both sides. Um, of course, if there was a front side and a back side, the irony is if you had two copies, you could put them side by side with one on the front and one on the back, and it would look like it was the first half and the second half, right? But, but, yeah, but, but yes. Stained glass windows still are correct. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can keep, we can keep our stained glass. <laughs> yeah, there's a good retcon for them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but that you would have the whole thing, right, as this uh, agreement on there. And it's actually, I think, fitting that you, um that you mentioned, you know, how, like the different divisions and how we split this thing up, because when we were going over Exodus 20, and I, I was looking a little bit into this, um, I, I feel like the way that Exodus 20 is structured in the Hebrew anyway because we, we get we get Deuteronomy 5 also and uh, I, I mm-hmm. think in many ways our Ten Commandments tradition in terms of how we kind of think about it and explain it and structure it is maybe a little bit closer to Deuteronomy 5 in some ways. Uh, but in Exodus 20, I mean the way it's broken down, the Sabbath is really emphasized there too. That yeah. when, when it comes when, when you have it right, like the the Sabbath, it, I don't think you have any commandment as a longer explanation than the Sabbath. In some ways, um, everything after that gets a lot shorter. And there's this kind of thematic connection between the Sabbath, then, uh, and then the very last commandment, where from the Sabbath it says, "And you're not going to have your 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 serv- your male servant, your female servant, your ox, donkey, anything is going to do work. Nothing does work." And then at the very end, and you're not going to envy your neighbor's uh, wife, manservant, maid servant, ox, donkey, or I mean, I mean, so it's like there's this connection here. So it's like uh, the Sabbath winds up being in the middle in a certain way of the commandments. It's it's just right there, center stage, um, which it, which is just interesting. Then when we get to these two tablets, right? Because it's the Sabbath that stands out then when you look at the two tablets.
1: It truly does, especially to whom it's given. Uh, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all you, and uh, that's plural. So when we hear you through that second section of Exodus 31, it's plural, and it's very specifically for the people of Israel. Hmm. Um, therefore, well, yeah, the people yeah. of Israel shall keep the Sabbath. Uh, very located in its recipient.
0: No, that 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 is that is striking because I, I mean the, the the language that God has has used throughout. I mean, he he tends to favor the the singular form um, either because he's just talking to Moses or because he's talking to the people as like a collective, right? Like we saw in right. in the actual Exodus account how God calls Israel, like the whole people collectively, his firstborn son, right? So it's the, that's the logic, right? It's a firstborn for a firstborn. Uh, Pharaoh, if you don't let my firstborn go, I'm going to take yours. Um, but, but yeah, when, when, it, when it comes down to it, Moses is supposed to go to the people and say, hey, guys— let me just, let me just spell this out for you all, <laughs> right? Um, and, and he does yeah. break it down. And when he breaks it down, he he just makes it. He's like, okay, look, I'll cut to the chase. If you if you break this Sabbath, it's the death penalty. Um, I, I mean, this is just. I mean, it's very clear terms, and it's just really being put in the language of the people here um, in a simple way to be understood. Why why do you think the penalty is so? Harsh. Why Why do you think it's death for doing work on the Sabbath? Right. I mean, you know, uh, I, I think that all of us have gotten a, kind of a an unhappy uh, glance from a, a loved one or a family member for kind of uh, going overboard and, we you know, keeping on past working past five or 530. Right. Like, OK, OK, no, I need to put it down. I'm getting I'm getting carried away. Uh, but but seriously, I mean, the death penalty. I mean, that's that's very I mean, it stands out it really does but we've
1: already talked about life here
0: yeah. with um
1: with the uh, anthropomorphism that we were talking about with with the word for rest we're dealing with life or soul, soul breath throat so death is what you get if you don't receive life from the giver of life Uh, It's it's just a natural consequence. You you can't be refreshed if you cut yourself off from the refreshment.
0: That's right. I think that um, that really fits too with what we saw when it came to the unauthorized incense. The same sort of language Uh, that, that that the that the thought here is less well, hey, guys, if you break this rule that I came up with, right, here's the penalty that I've come up with. It's less that and more like we're just going to carry what you've done to its logical conclusion, right? We're, we're, we're just going to give you what you're really asking for. Um, because we saw that earlier. It was in, uh, yeah, so in p- Chapter 30, the, the, same, the same language gets – used there and that you yeah, have very last verse there verse 38 whoever makes any like it referring to the this holy perfumed incense uh, to use the perfume shall be cut off from his people and, and it's this i feel like in some ways it's the same logic you say hey look there, there's one priesthood there's there's one high priest there's one god there's one people of god if you start duplicating this like hey no we, we have our own little priesthood over here well now what have you done you've i mean in paul's language right Are there two Christs? Is Christ divided? Mm. By no means. I mean, it's the same thing that you you are cutting yourself off by saying you want to go and do your own thing here, and and I think that it's the same logic with the Sabbath when he says there in in verse 13 that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. I I think the idea—I mean, of course, we can talk about sanctification, which is good, but I I think what what is literally meant there is— you guys are going to be different and set apart and holy compared to all the other peoples of the earth because you're going to be the only ones who do this. This, this is going to be the thing that makes you distinct, that, that is your calling card, is the, the people, the, the chosen priesthood of God. And if you don't keep the Sabbath, then what you're saying is you don't want to be part of this, people of God. You want to be like everybody else.
1: Yeah, and the world has enough that is common and profane.
0: Right. Right.
1: That's, uh, right. What the file is is getting at. Mhm.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly that, that name like the the word right? profane or, or or defile um or in, in Luther's uh words when you when you're talking about the I'm thinking it's it's the first petition, right? That um whoever teaches or lives contrary to the word of God profanes the name of God among us. That that idea of, well, Basically, makes God out to be just like everything else in life—just another idea, just another um, organization on the marketplace. Right? It makes God common.
1: Indeed, and similarly, when folks treat the Bible like just another book. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's another—it's another work of great literature, right? You know, like it, it goes on your bookshelf right next to you know, Shakespeare and the, the Iliad and things like that. And it's like, well, yes, I mean, there, there's on, on the one hand, you know, because it is like a human book in human language, you can do linguistics and you can do archaeology and you can do literary analysis. And those are those are good things. But at the end of the day, you've you got to be realizing it's also more than that.
1: Yes, because reason is a terrible master. Uh, when it's anywhere near as a rival to the authority of the very Word of God, which is why I think Luther uh, emphasizes preaching and God's Word that we would hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it when he describes what this commandment means for us as Christians. We should fear and love God. We should not despise preaching and His Word.
0: Um, So so then about that... I want I want to ask then about about the application here because the Sabbath seems so central to the the two tablets to the ten Commandments um it, it's just emphasized strongly here the the penalty is the greatest one I mean Sabbath is just the the name of the game here it's the thing that God uses to sanctify and make his people distinct from all the other peoples of the earth so okay so the Sabbath is is so uh, central. And yet, like, the way that, I guess, we talk about it sometimes is like, well, yeah, you know, the Sabbath was good for a time, but, you know, we we don't do that anymore. Um, At least that's kind of how some people talk about it. Uh, But, I I, well, and in some ways, actually, to to be fair, uh, Luther kind of talks about this in different ways. But uh, you were just saying, though, one of the ways he talks about it is not so much like, oh, well, yeah, the third commandment, we don't do that anymore. Um, but rather that there's a different way of keeping it.
1: Indeed. I was curious why Luther says what he does beyond just what the text says. And yeah. we know he was an Augustinian. So in um, Augustine's On the Spirit and the Letter, I found some interesting things about the Ten Commandments. Um In these Ten Commandments, Augustine writes, apart from the observance of the Sabbath, I would ask what the Christian is not bound to observe. So being a good Augustinian, Luther did Hmm. borrow that basic idea um, from him. The idea of why the Sabbath is given— should be probably asked, why was it given to Israel in the first place? We've talked about that you can find the commandments in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, and it does seem, uh, as the commandments are told to um, a new generation, that the Sabbath law is not promoted for the same reason in both passages. So in the first you've got the connection to the seventh day after the creation of the world and hollowing that day. Yep. The second time in Deuteronomy, second law, chapter 5, you've got the connection um, that here's the rest that the Lord is providing for Israel after the years of wearisome toil in Egypt. But the simple explanation can be that God gave this commandment for more than just one reason, even more than two reasons so yeah. we can say believe in jesus because he's true god we can also say believe in jesus because he's the only redeemer and that's not a contradiction it's uh an additional reason so when you get to colossians chapter 2 colossians two sixteen is not a contradiction of what we read In what we number is the third commandment, the Sabbath law, whether it's Exodus 31, uh, these verses here or elsewhere. Um, As long as Israel was God's chosen people, set apart from the nations, this law was in effect. In the New Testament, the situation has changed. There's no longer any nation that God regards as his own in a special sense. The covenant that he made... With Israel on Mount Sinai has been fulfilled, and now the covenant that the Lord made through the redemption of Christ embraces all nations, and we are free to worship the Lord on Sunday because Jesus rose from the dead on Easter Sunday, but overall, we are given to um, hold preaching in God's Word
0: sacred and gladly hear and learn it. So, so, right, so I think, I think that's kind of the duality, that on the one hand you can say we don't—we we are not required to observe the Sabbath anymore in, in that sense of, well, it's, it's been fulfilled, it's served its purpose, it was meant for, you know, Israelites in this particular sense, right, this particular historical sense. That, that's kind of one way of speaking. But on the other way of speaking, uh, and this is kind of ca- complements some of the things we were talking about yesterday, you know, we are Israel— I mean, we are the people of God in, in the language of Paul. We've been grafted in or adopted into this, and so as such, um, hey, this 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 word, right? Because they are actually the ten words, not necessarily the, the ten commands, right? This word is right. still authoritative, and it's in that sense that yeah, it's authoritative for us because it, it's not that we do any less, but that we actually do more, because the, the real way of hallowing the Sabbath of rest, like you were saying, that, that, that life-giving activity, well, I mean, is there is there anything more uh, life-giving than the actual word of God, Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life? And so, hallowing him, the, if he is the Sabbath, well, that that seems like a way of fulfilling the Sabbath and, and observing the Sabbath to a much greater degree than merely you know taking a day off every week. Now, not to say that it was ever that was the intention that is like, oh, just, you know, take the day off and, and you're good. Um, you know, it was it was always about uh, the word of God, even in the beginning. But I think kind of getting to your point about the transition phase, I mean, just think about. Uh, at the time of our Lord Jesus during his natural ministry, how that's not what the Sabbath necessarily was all about at the time, right? You think think of those conflicts that the Lord had with the Pharisees and you know he would have to say, hey, uh, man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath for man. Um, and, and there was this idea that no, the Sabbath isn't this thing where, It's this it's this hard obligation where we can't be reasonable and you got to, like, do all this crazy stuff or else, whoops, we might have broken one of the rules uh, that we've kind of gotten it all wrong. And in fact, you you can't hallow the the Sabbath anymore because they have gone and profaned the Sabbath by uh, putting it in this stranglehold.
1: Yeah, man uh, was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath for man. As our Lord reminds us, Uh, you shall observe the worship day that peace may fill your home. Uh, Again, Luther in his Ten Commandments hymn, Mm -hmm. we have that peace that surpasses all understanding, human and otherwise. Um, That's rest. It's rest in Jesus. And uh, very interesting what the folks were doing down at the bottom of the mountain while Moses was having his divine conversation on the mount,
0: well, I feel like that kind of actually complements uh, that, that that quote earlier. I can't. I, I know I've heard that one before. I forget who it was ascribed to and that context I first heard it. But uh, where we're just mixing up um, work, worship, and play, right? Um, I think this is the the, the verse that gets um, or the scene that gets quoted later in the in the New Testament is uh, describing what they did as as play in a, in a debased sense. Um, but but so that idea of understanding you know the work and play and worship um, rightly, um, it is interesting though that we are going to see in in numbers and elsewhere these kind of specific rules about what you can and you cannot do on the Sabbath. That that that's even there in the Old Testament. It's not like you know all the rules were made up later necessarily. Um, even if perhaps they were you know greatly multiplied and you know they they were kind of missing the spirit of it, one of the questions that we got online was uh, were the Israelites allowed to fight on the Sabbath I'm not even exactly sure where to begin with that um, I, th- I think he's maybe thinking about let's well, see he says here I think there's something in Maccabees about it so I guess the question is like you know if you're um not, not so much. Are you allowed to get into a tavern brawl on on Saturday? But, but, but more like, you know, if uh, if if enemies are at your doorstep, right? Like, uh, you know, the Philistines have come. Uh, are you allowed to fight on the Sabbath? What, what are your What are your thoughts?
1: Well, the first thing that comes to mind are the the Prussian mercenaries during the time of the American Revolution.
0: Hmm. They
1: were largely Catholic or Lutheran, yeah. and they were resting on Christmas Day. And General yeah. Washington crossed the Delaware and went to war on them on Christmas Day. Yeah. It's uh, commemorated in the painting in the in the dome at the Capitol in uh, Washington D.C. Uh, it's we know that we are able to do good on the Sabbath, and if the Lord, as He commanded the the wars for the Holy Land, you follow His His direction there. Um, yeah.
0: Well, and, and I think...
1: To protect the weak.
0: I, I think that what you just said there, bringing it back to the Sabbath as life, right? The Sabbath as something for the sake of man, for the sake of restoring life, I, I think that's key that we don't lose sight of it, right? Um, and in fact, I think in our Lord's confrontations with uh, the the Pharisees and the scribes, I think at one point he goes and he says, you know, hey, uh, wh- which who among you, if your animal falls into a ditch, right, like isn't going to pull him out on the Sabbath? And and, I, and I've Indeed. been told anyway that the reason why he says that, among others, is that that was actually a well-known exception that, okay, no, if it, if it's like your animal's going to die— because you don't pull them out. Well, okay, you're allowed to do that on the Sabbath. So uh, I do think that even from an early time, there was this an understanding that if it was a matter of life and death, well, then you can go ahead and save life, which is exactly the way that our Lord puts it in Mark, right? I think it was like chapter two or chapter three, right? Uh, you know, what's lawful on the Sabbath to save life or to kill it? Um, th- that idea that it, at the heart of the Sabbath is this idea about about life. And if if we're missing the 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 core component of the defense and the restoration and the preservation of life, then we've missed the whole notion of the Sabbath.
1: Indeed. The Lord himself is life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He gives us the refreshment that no
0: well, and, and I think that, again, putting, it, putting those pieces together, that uh, because he is a, a life that's greater than any one particular day of the week, um, you know, he, he is our Passover, he is our Sabbath, right? the, all these ideas of fulfillment, that we, we really shouldn't say that, like, oh, well, the, the, the Sabbath, that was a thing for a time, and we don't really do that. That was, that was an okay idea, but it wasn't that great. But, but rather, no, we, we now know the full definition of the Sabbath, that this the, this the Saturday business was kind of a shadow of who the Lord Jesus is and that we, in him, we, we really do have the Sabbath. And, and it's not just in some kind of, you know, kind of metaphorical kind of uh, lawyer speak exception loophole kind of way, but in the, well, as, as our Lord says, that we would have life to the full. Amen to that. Amen. Brother, thank you so much. Always good having a conversation with you. Uh, just peace be with you and all, all the folks up there in Sheridan and looking forward to having you on again soon. Thank you very much. Everybody, that was Pastor Paul Kane at Emmanuel Sheridan, Wyoming, going on to Chapter 32. It's the Golden Calf. Until then, I'm Pastor H.S. Espinosa. Peace.
1: You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.